0: This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen.
1: Oh, how good you are, Father. What a joy it is to be in your presence. Thank you for being with us. I don't know what all it is you want to accomplish, but this I do know. You've ordained this word for this night at this time for this people. Lord, I thank you and I praise you in Jesus' name. Open it to us. Amen. I want to bring you a message tonight entitled, Tempered. Tempered, okay? Um, and I want you to just, would you look at somebody near you and say, you can do this. If you, nobody's near you to say it to, say it to me. Come on, now let's do that again. You can do this. Now don't look at them and say, well, you can do this.
0: Eh,
1: you, I think you can. No, you can do this. All right? You can do this. It's very important that you get that that statement in your spirit because this year I believe you can do everything that God has called you to do. Yes. You can do this. You can overcome. You can become what God has called you to be. Very important. Now I'm going to talk to you tonight about a, a topic that I wanted to preach to you uh, several weeks ago and, and the Lord didn't allow that and, and so I, I was so moved with this topic I wanted to preach it on this past Sunday morning. Now, I was going to preach this last Sunday morning, and uh, the Holy Spirit said, no, you're going to go into this reset, and you're going to preach this tonight. So that tells me that it's God's will for somebody here to specifically hear that you can do this. Because as long as you say you can't, guess what? You can't. As long as you've convinced yourself that you're just waiting for the big failure, you're just waiting for the big blow-up, you're just waiting for the problem, that there's no hope, you will never overcome. And the reason that you convince yourself that way is because of your temperament. Your temperament is paramount, and we've got to figure out how to deal with your temperament. I, I didn't say your temper, come on now. But the, 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 what is behind your temperament, okay? Now, I want to read you a verse, 2 Timothy, chapter 1, verse number 7. Very popular passage for people going through hard times. Listen to this. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. I don't know if Paul knew I was preaching on this verse when he picked that No Longer Slaves, but I was hoping he would sing that tonight. I've walked in believing he would sing that. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but a power, love, and self-discipline. And the King James says, of a sound mind. Okay, So this is how we quote this passage. We say, now God's not giving you a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and of a sound mind, of, of self-discipline is what that's saying. We quote that verse a lot. Now think about that verse for a moment, and let me ask you a question. Where did you get your temperament? Who oh, I just saw somebody point at their mama. Come on now, amen. Where did you get your temperament? Who are you more like? Is your temperament more like your mom? More like your dad? More like your aunt? More like your grandparent? Come on now. Where did you get people? Well, look, in, in my family, it's kind of been this way. When one of my kids acts a certain way, I, I, I'll call out different family members. And, and there's one or two family members. When I say you're acting like that family member, uh, they look at me and they don't talk to me the rest of the day. Which means that my, my older ones don't ask for a dime the rest of the day. Come on now. Amen. But when I call that name, I say, you're acting like so-and-so. And And they're like, whoa, because they're picking up or that genetic temperament is coming through. Now, this passage is one of those passages that is quoted by a lot of people. But I fear, and listen to me carefully, I fear that they do not understand the original intent of the passage. They don't understand putting it in context. When I, when I met with uh, Jim Baker those years ago and I sat down to talk with him after he'd come from prison and he was talking to me and he, he said, look, he said, my mistake was this. I picked a verse to say what I wanted it to say and I didn't read it and put it in context. I didn't, I didn't keep it. So he said, the good rule, and I followed that rule, is read seven verses ahead and seven verses below to make sure you understand the context of the passage. So I think a lot of times that we quote this verse out because when somebody gets in a bad situation, we'll come up to them and say, now honey, you know that the spirit of fear is not of the Lord, but he's given you power and love and a sound mind. And we're missing part of the verse. We're missing one of the key elements of the verse. The verse doesn't say that God didn't give you a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. The verse says he didn't give you the spirit of fear and of timidity. You're missing a whole part of the verse, and when you miss a part of the verse, you're missing some of the power that comes along with this verse, and it wants to help us deal with our temperament, because I I just got to be honest with you, many of us, our temperament has prevented us from stepping into our destiny. Your temperament won't let you agree with me right now. Many of us, if we knew how to handle things different, then we could be moving forward in better ways. But because we picked up the way our dad acted, we picked up the way our mom acted, or or we, uh, God forbid, we somehow caused it ourselves, our temperament has held us back. But here in this passage, Paul is writing a letter to Timothy, someone that he loves dearly. And he actually considers him his spiritual son. And the letter begins with these words. Second Timothy chapter one, verse number one, seven verses before. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I have been sent out to tell others about the life that he has promised through faith in Christ Jesus. Paul's saying, okay, this is who I am. He said, now this is who I'm writing. I am writing to Timothy, my dear son. May God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord give you grace, mercy, and peace. What would happen to your temperament if you started walking with more grace, more mercy, and with more peace in your life? Maybe we need this message tonight. Timothy said, or he says, Timothy, I thank God for you, the God I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did, night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. He says, I'm praying for you constantly, okay? He said, I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we parted. I want you to remember that passage for just a moment. I remember your tears as we parted, and I will be filled with joy when we are together again. I remember your genuine faith, for your, you, you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I know this same faith comes strong in you. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift that God gave you when I laid my hands on you. I'm reminding you of something here. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Paul says, I know you, boy. I know you. Paul's saying, I know you and I know you well. What he's really saying is, I know you and I know your mama and I know your grandmama. We say in the south, I know all of you and how are you doing and all of them. Come on amen. amen. You see, he's saying, I know who you are, but listen to me, you can do this. He's saying, I know your upbringing. I know the way you act when you get upset. I know... I just feel God in what I'm trying to tell you tonight. I know the way, I know what sets off the triggers inside of you. And I'm jumping ahead of my message a little bit here. But he says, boy, you can do this. See, Paul knows that Timothy is more of a feeler than a thinker. I wonder how many people in here would say that they're more of a feeler than a thinker. You feel first, and then you slow down and wish you had thought first. More of a feeler than a thinker. Paul knows this about Timothy, and here's the problem. He's a little bit different than most men that Paul has dealt with, okay? He's a little bit different. John, could you come up here just just a second? I want you to help me for a minute. Now, I picked John because John is a man's man. Come on now, come on. Man's man. Now, John and I love each other, but I don't always go up and just throw my arms. Can you see him shift? This is kind of the way we hug right here. Man, I love you. That's man right there. All right? It's not this, Woo! It's manly because men tend to want to feel less. Okay? And when they do finally let their feelings break through, oh God, help us all. Because usually it comes out in rage. And so what Paul is saying is that that's not, that's not, Timothy was like this. (laughs) Have you ever had somebody hug you so long it gets awkward? (laughs) That's how John feels right now. He's like, Pastor, I love you, but get off of me. Thank you, John. Give him a hand. So what Paul is saying here, and this is super important, he's saying, Timothy, I know you're a feeler, and I know the way you feel makes you not always think right because your feelings are messing. See, the problem when you pastor somewhere this long is you're trying not to look anybody in the eye because you know all the feelers in the room. You know what I'm preaching to right now? Those black things on the the wall. Come on, amen. (laughs) Every one of those are saved. Come on, amen. (laughs) Here's the problem. You see, Paul says, let me tell you how how much I know you. He said, remember the last time I told you bye? You know, when I tell my son Zach bye, he's like, were you even here? If I don't tell my daughters bye, and they text me and go, why are you mad at me? <laughs> My son doesn't know I'm alive. Come on now. But that's not Timothy's nature. Timothy's nature is he falls on Paul. He says, I love you. Don't leave. Don't go. And so he's this, he's this guy who feels. And there's nothing wrong with being a person who feels. Can I get an amen for that? But he is a person who really deals with his feelings and he's really what he's really dealing with is some feelings about himself because more than likely he thought he needed Paul to be strong, but he didn't need Paul to be strong. God had already called him to be strong. You don't need everybody that you think is your fix to make you strong. Preaching truth here. Now listen to me. Paul is constantly having to tell Timothy this. He tells him over and over again, don't be afraid. Stop making excuses. He says, don't let anybody despise you because you're young. Come on, be an example of believers in word, in deed, in purity, in conduct, and all these things. He starts bringing it up over and over again. He says, stop trying to, to, to find some excuse to feel like you don't measure up. Which leads the believer to feel, or the reader to believe, excuse me, That Timothy is probably struggling, listen to me carefully, with an inferiority issue. Something. We know that we have no evidence of his father in this situation, so something has, has left him, and that's probably the greatest reason that he struggles with these feelings that he's dealing with of inferiority is because Dad didn't show him how to serve God the way that he was supposed to. Dad didn't illustrate it for him. That didn't step up for him. And so he's dealing with these things and he finds a strength in Paul. But Paul says, you cannot base your faith on me. You need to find out who you are in God for yourself because you can do this when you know who you are in Christ. You can overcome when you know who you are in Jesus Christ. We understand this is the spirit of Timothy because Paul writes to the Corinthians when he's sending Timothy in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse number 10. He says this, he says, when Timothy comes, don't intimidate him. He's doing the Lord's work just as I am. Paul writes a letter. It's no different than sending a text saying, if I'm going to send this guy over there to preach, you better be good to him. Come on now, be patient with him, encourage him. I've been working on this guy. And so Paul is having to say, look, he, he's, he can be intimidated easily. If you'll listen to him, he can help you. He knows what I have told him. He's going to bring you what God has told me. He said, but, but, but realize that he's not strong yet. He's not there yet. Can I tell you, you may not be there yet, but God's still working on you. With this thought process... That Timothy, by his own nature, is dealing with some inferiority complex. His personality doesn't seem to measure up to what people expect from him. This is what Paul says to him. I want you to listen to this carefully. Paul says to him that you have not been given a spirit of fear, watch this, or of timidity. Now, many of the things that make you cower in fear would be dealt with if you weren't allowing a spirit of timidity in your life. He says the spirit of timidity is not from God. Now, the word timidity here is from a Greek word, Delilia, okay? And this word that we see here translates very simply. It occurs only once uh, in the whole New Testament, and it means cowardice. He says God didn't call you to be afraid and be a coward. Nobody likes being called a coward. But that's what he tells him. He says, remind yourself, we have not been called to live in fear and we have not been called to back down as a coward. Can I tell you that the reason God gave you that strength that's been moved into the wrong temperament is because God wanted to give you the backbone to stand up and be a righteous generation, be a holy people who don't back down and trust God for what can be in your life. But instead, we see him as a man who Paul says, don't be a coward, Timothy. You can do this. Look around and tell somebody you can do this. Because when you have cowardice in your life, it means you cave in the face of fear. When you have cowardice in your life, it means that you don't have the fortitude to stand your ground. It is someone who will deny their faith to save their life. So Paul writes to him and he says, very important, he says, let me remind you that you've been given the power to stop caving. You've been given the power to overcome. Now let me bring this verse in the right perspective for you. This is not just a verse for when you are fighting the devil and you're scared or you get a bad diagnosis or something's wrong. That's how we use this verse. What this verse is really saying is, I know you're facing some obstacles, but you can do this because greater is he that is inside of you than he that's in the world. You can overcome by the blood of the Lamb. And what you need to realize is that you've been given power and love and self-discipline so that you stop caving. I didn't say it was a fun sermon, but it's a good sermon. Listen to me. He's saying the sin that you always trip yourself up in, you don't have to trip up in in this year. You don't have to carry over that bondage anymore because you've got to make up your mind. You can do this. You can overcome by the blood of the Lamb. You can do this. You're not a coward. You are the righteous seed of the living God, a holy priesthood, a people zealous of good works. You can do this. But you go, but pastor, you don't understand. I'm the bumbling, crying guy going, I just can't live without you. But what you've got to understand is stop hugging that sin, saying I just can't live without you. Push it to the side and say, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. I was going to teach tonight, but I'm preaching. Stop caving. Stop caving. Stand your ground. But the pressure's so great, but the pressure may be great, but it's the integrity of what's inside of you that will resist the pressure that's trying to push in on you. I feel that for just a moment. You need to understand. You're going, Pastor Don, you don't understand. I I am this and I am that. And the problem is you've been listening to the wrong voice telling you, you can't, you can't, you can't. But I've come to tell you the words of Paul was, you have been given power, love, and self-discipline, and you can do this. Yes, amen. What you have to do is stand up and defeat what has been defeating you. Defeat it. That's one of the reasons this God may have put this message during the fast time. Because you're having to think, what do I need to do? What do I need to do to show in my flesh that I can control this flesh? And because I'm not going to let it run rampant again. Come on now. Amen. You see, Josephus used these words to describe the Israelite spies. It's the only other place we really see the use of this terminology. He used these words to describe the Israelite spies who went into the land, who came back and said, they're too big for us. We are as grasshoppers in our own sight. Isn't that amazing? It wasn't in their sight, it was in their own sight. So what they really were saying is we can't do this. That kind of cowardice That is what he's describing here, the exact same. Paul is saying, don't be someone who looks over at the promises that God's already given you and saying, we just can't, I just can't, I've tried too many times, I've fallen down too many times, and the problem is you're believing the wrong words, you're believing the condemnation of the enemy, there is therefore no condemnation in Christ Jesus. If you hear a voice in your head that tells you you can't, it is not God, come on now, but when you start hearing a voice in your head that says, you will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your your testimony. That is God because you can do this. Amen. You see, God's message, my message tonight is you can do this. No matter what your temperament is, he will change it. Let me explain that. You'll understand more in a moment. So how do you go from caving in to standing up? What you do is you memorize this passage. You start declaring it over your life. I am not a coward. I am not controlled by fear, but I have power. I love the way my pastor says it. He says, you can't say I have power. You have to say I have power. Say that with me. Power. It's not just power. It's power. I don't know why he says that, but I like it every time he says it. Because it shows me he feels it. Maybe, thank you, Holy Ghost. Maybe that's the problem. You're quoting it, but you're not letting yourself feel it. I am not a coward. I am not controlled by fear. I have power. I am loved by the living God, and I have a sound mind that is disciplined under the things of God. Isn't God good to us? You see, God's trying to work in you to use what you thought was your negative temperament to allow that to become a positive as you stop allowing it to be. Fear really hides behind anger. Let me rephrase that. Fear is born many times from anger and a a feeling of no control. And so God's saying, hey, you may not know where you are, but I do. And I've given you the power to overcome. Now, I can only imagine how many times Timothy had to remind himself of this, particularly the years would not be that long before Paul would be executed by The Romans. How many times did he find this letter and bring it out and read it over and over again? Every time he got discouraged. Now you've got to understand. People think, well, Timothy was this man who, who didn't accomplish much. He was a man who dealt with an inferiority complex, but through God, he raised up a church that many estimate could have been between 20 to 30,000 people that attended his congregation. He became a great leader. A man does not become the leader of tens of thousands feeling like he somehow doesn't measure up. I can tell you what he did. I will I will tell you though I was not there, I can tell you what he did. He pulled out the parchment and he read those words again and every time he didn't feel like he measured up to the task, he went back to the words of the one who had fathered him in the Lord and he heard his words again, for you can do this. You have not been given a spirit of fear and of cowardice, but you have been given power and love and self-discipline. And what happened the next time? He pulled it out and he read it again and he read it again and he read it again and and then he began to quote it again and again and again. And Pastor Don, we get your point. No, you haven't got the point yet because you're still caving and you're still backing down and you're still giving in to sin. But instead, if you begin to read the words, not of a man, but of your heavenly father and begin to declare, I am an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb. I am a blood-bought child of the living God. I am the righteousness of Christ. I have no business going where a child of God I can't go. I have no business doing one. What you need to do is do your best T.D. Jakes impersonation. Come on now. I was preaching somewhere the other day and I said something like that. And I said, I said, are you ready? And somebody said, get ready, get ready, get ready. And it set me off. I'm telling you, you can't preach yourself happy Can I say that, Lord, like some passive believers? Well, you are the righteousness of Christ. No. (laughs) You are. Come on now. Got to get that. (laughs) The righteousness of Christ. You are the blood-bought child of the living God. You know they say that is it 97% of all men in the world, and I don't know if this will change in the coming generations, have at one point or another imitated Elvis Presley in their life. I'm not going to do that for you. <laughs> but you've watched you you flung your head or said thank you very much or whatever that is at some point in your life. Instead, go find yourself a mirror. Come on now. Go find yourself a mirror. When I was a little boy, you know, Elvis wasn't too far gone from this world. And my brother loved to listen to Elvis, and and he let me be the light guy. He'd get a little guitar or whatever, and he'd be, we're just little boys. He'd be like, you know, don't step on my blue suede shoes type stuff. And and he'd give me one of those little old Coleman flashlights, you know what I'm talking about? And he's like, swing it around. Come on now, amen. (laughs) Swing it around. And we'd play that thing, and it was never my turn to be Elvis. I was always the light guy. Come on, amen. Younger brothers, amen. Swing it around, swing it around. And you know what? Though no, he imitated that. Dude, if you can't think of anybody better, look yourself in the mirror and say, God. That's Pastor Don impersonation is what they tell me. Everywhere I go, people go, would you say God? But you look yourself in the mirror and you say, you are a blood-bought child of the living God. You can do this because you have been not been given a spirit of fear and you are not a coward. You've been given the power to overcome and the love of God will not let you down and you can't control yourself. Stop caving, stop giving in. Start becoming for the glory of God. How many are thankful for that kind of Jesus tonight? Amen. Why don't you give him a praise? Amen. If you brought a guest tonight and you're like, Pastor always behaves, I'm sorry I'll let you down tonight. But I'm not done preaching yet. And listen to me. We have no biblical evidence of Timothy's later years, but we do have church tradition, and this is what um, this is what we do know from tur- church tradition. Church tradition tells us that Timothy lived to the age of eighty. He stayed faithful to his church, pastoring his church there in a city that great revival had swept until the age of eighty. As he began to age, people began to be comfortable in their faith and when they began to become comfortable in their faith, suddenly sin began to be birthed again. And the city that had been shaken by revival suddenly had a rebirth of the paganism they had burned in the streets. And as the paganism was reborn and about the third generation of, of, of the descendants of those who had paid the price to walk away from paganism. That third generation suddenly gave up the power of, of of the holiness that they had received through Christ and, and the paganism began to reform. This is what church tradition tells us. Church tradition tells us that when they Rebirth this paganism that it swept through the community, and as it swept through the community, that they, they decided to have uh, the equivalent of, a, of like a pride parade in the streets. They decided to have something that involved great sexuality and something that that involved all of these items of paganism, debauchery, and, and they started marching through the, the, the city there. They were marching through the place that this man had spent his life. This this boy had come to be a pastor, and, and God had sent revival to this church, and, and all of a sudden the city had been changed, and now in his later years, at 80 years of age, and everybody else was not sure because they didn't want to lose their standing in the community, and they were watching this paganism mark down the city uh, streets with blatant disrespect for the Christ who had saved this town as they came through those streets with that paganism all of a sudden an 80 year old Timothy walks not from a hiding place but he walks from his seat and he stands in front of the parade and he raises his hand and he says you will not violate this city. You will not bring your paganism to the place that I have given my life. You will not come to this city with your debauchery. And he stands against the crowd and the thousands are lamenting the fact that this old man dares stand in their way. How can a boy who has to be written to to say, you know what, stop being afraid. Stop being a coward. Stop letting your temperament hold you down. Listen to me. You need to listen to what I'm trying to tell you. Well, How can that boy become that man? How can he become a man who steps out and all of a sudden they were angry to the point that they began to uh, lash out at him and the history tells us that they would assault him in the streets and drag this 80 year old man outside of the parade and beat him to death but the whole time he stood his ground and he said you will not come to this place that I have worked, and even though they may have taken his life, they did not take his testimony because he stood, because he heard a voice say, you can do this, and he never gave up. Listen to me. The devil's going to come and try to tell you you've not been set free. But listen to this loud preacher. You can do this. You can overcome by the blood of the Lamb. You can overcome by the grace of God. You will walk in your freedom. You will walk in victory. You're going to fall back. You're not going to serve God. Well, you better make up your mind and determine are you going to be controlled by your temperament? Are you going to be controlled by the word of the living God? Because when the word of God gets in your temperament you'll be able to stand up too and declare we're not going back we're not giving up devil you shall not win come on why don't you stand up and give god a praise tonight let me just tell you this when you use your temperament as an excuse you no longer have a temperament your temperament has you that's just how i am no 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 it's how you were. You are not who you were. You are not a remade copy of who you were. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. With now God-given attributes. Pastor Don, I'm just meek. Well, the meek shall inherit the earth, but the le- but a meek person is not cowardice. Well, Pastor Don, I speak my mind. Well choose your words carefully that God might send you to be the one who declares to a congregation stand your ground because you speak your mind I feel the Holy Ghost why don't you just lift your hands before the Lord for just a moment tonight Holy Spirit we know you're here we know you're here we know you're here let me just tell you this and we're going to pray Jeremiah, you can put your hands down for a minute. Jeremiah says, when the Lord calls him, he said, no, 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 Lord, you don't understand. I'm too young. I can't do this. Do you know what God told him back? Don't say you can't do this. Don't say it. Stop declaring the wrong and start declaring the word of the Lord. Start saying, I can do this. For he that has begun a good work in me will carry it through to his completion. I can do this because he that the sun sets free is free indeed. I can keep walking because greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. But Pastor Don, you don't understand. I'm already gone to the grave. My future is already ruined. I've already signed my death warrant. I've already got a sentence. I've already got this. No, 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 you don't understand. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And though he were dead, yet if he shall believe in me. Come on now, don't you understand what Jesus was saying? He said, listen, believe. And that he would live again. Listen to me. It doesn't matter how far Jesus is able to deliver you.